appreciate it. So this chapel next, right? You mind if I rely? I'm a little warm up here. You guys warm? All right. I got some work to do, so we'll just get ready for work. Right. <laughs> Learned that from Brad Lewis, bringing the Word of God. All right. If you have a Bible in your pew, and I'm sure you do, it's Burgundy. If yours is Burgundy, our scripture is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, one verse. That's all we need. Page 1193 if you've got a Burgundy Bible. If you have a red Bible, oddly enough, it's on page 1263. But I think most of them are Burgundy 1193, so that'll get you primed, get your finger where it belongs. So this morning, Resurrection Joy is the title of our message. So as Brother Ken was saying, He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Woo! Does that get you fired up? I can just go sit down right now. Jesus is risen. See, that's been the anthem of our faith for the last 2,000 years. The church before us has been praising Jesus on Resurrection Sunday, that he is risen indeed. That's the anthem of our faith. We don't just believe in a truth. We don't follow an idea. We follow a risen Savior. Amen? Amen. Risen, resurrected, and coming again. And because of Resurrection Sunday, he came to bring us joy, immeasurable joy, eternal joy, limitless joy, unconquerable joy, unparalleled joy, unprecedented joy, everlasting joy forever and forever, and oddly enough, for today. Joy for today. Do you believe that this morning? It is true. So the question for us on this beautiful Easter morning is, how's your joy doing? How's your joy this morning? I'm not talking about happiness, because happiness is a roller coaster, right? Now, don't get me wrong, I like roller coasters where I used to. About two years ago, I got on a roller coaster, and my favorite spot on the roller coaster was the last seat. I, wasn't, I didn't want the front seat, although that's kind of fun, as you're the first one going over the top. I love the last seat, because that's the seat that gets whipped around. And then so two years ago, I got on a roller coaster with my family, and I got on that last seat. <laughs> that's the last time I'm riding a roller coaster. I was 52 years old, and that, and that was just last year. And that's not funny. And uh, my brain was scrambled. I tell you what, I was like, that is the last time I'm riding a roller coaster. And that's what happiness is. It, it whips you around, doesn't it? It's like one day you're up, one day you're down, and your heart is scrambled at the end of the ride. I'm not talking about happiness this morning. I'm talking about joy that never ends. Joy that comes only because of the resurrection. So let me define joy for us. If you've got a pen or pencil, this might be worth it in the spot there. And then if you look on the back of your bulletin, there's a spot for your notes if you'd like. I am not Ken Sharp, but I am going to give you something to believe. Joy. Let's define joy. Joy is my permanent exaltation in the unchanging goodness of God and Jesus Christ. It is a permanent exaltation in the unchangeable goodness of God in Jesus Christ. That's what gives us joy, not just happiness, but joy every single day. And I've had joyful times. Joy when I married my wonderful wife, Kathy. Kathy smiling, waved everybody. Okay. She, she won't wave. She just won't do it. When my three sons were born, that was joyful. I remember when my firstborn, Michael, was born. I was wheeling him down the, the, the halls of the hospital there, a Baptist hospital in Columbia, South Carolina. And I said to Michael, when can Michael come out and play? 
I was so excited, Dad, and I got three boys. I don't know what it's like to have girls. God bless you if you had some girls, but, man, three boys. And when I'd get home from work, my boys would jump on top of me and yell, Daddy's home. Those are marvelous moments of joy. But I've got something even better for us this morning, a joy that never ends, joy in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, A funny time, speaking of Michael, we sang Wondrous Cross, right? That's one of my favorite hymns for Easter. And one of the lines that we sang when Michael was five or six, we sang, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love or sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? And Michael, my five or six-year-old, looks up at me and says, Daddy, why are we singing about flamingos? Flamingos. Oh, flow mingled down. No, it's, it's, not, it's not flamingos on Easter. It's, it's the joy, things that give us joy, especially the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They don't begin to compare to his resurrection. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, let's stand and read this verse together, shall we? In honor of the word of God on this resurrection Sunday. Hebrews 12, 2, keep looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Please be seated. So Hebrews 12, 2, what we're going to see in this passage this morning is three simple keys to resurrection joy. First, the joy in the person of Jesus, joy in the plan of Jesus, and third, joy in the power of Jesus. So first, let's take a look at the joy we have in the person of of Jesus. Jesus is the supreme object of our joy. The verb here for look, it means to set your eyes. It means to look nowhere else and keep doing it. Don't ever stop. Keep looking at Jesus because he is the object of our joy. Don't look anywhere else. Remember that boat in the middle of the storm where all the disciples are being tossed and turned and Jesus comes walking on the water in the middle of the storm? And he says to Peter, get out and walk with me. I love Peter, man. He doesn't think twice. He just hops out of the boat, starts walking toward Jesus. But then what does he do? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and begins to sink. Shortest verse in the Bible, right? Save me. Save me. Peter starts to go down because he wasn't keeping on, keeping on, looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So don't ever stop looking at him. He is the supreme object, the person of our joy. So what do we see about him here in this verse? First of all, that he's the author of our joy. He's the author. The, the, verb, the word here for author means not only that he's the one that begins it, and he does. He, he's the, the starter of our faith. It's all his initiative. He's the one that began what you believe. And I'll give you some proof for that out of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 where it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, too, all of us used to walk. In the lusts of our flesh, indulging the flesh and of the mind, we were by nature, all of us, 
children of God's wrath. But verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made you alive. He did it. He's the author of your faith. He's the beginner of your faith. But this word for author, founder, isn't just that he's the starter of it and then he backs away. He becomes our champion, our, our captain. So in the military, we get this. When somebody's the leader, where they're in charge, where do leaders lead from? The front. That's Christ. He is our captain. He is our leader. He is behind his banner of love we follow. That's what it means here in Hebrews 12 too, that he is the author of our faith. He's not only the beginner, the champion, but he's also the perfecter. He starts it, and he's going to finish it. He's going to make it all that he's dreamed for it to be, for your faith and for mine, for our joy to be filled, to overflowing, to be full. And not only is he the one that completes it, but he's the object of our faith. It finds its fullest understanding and joy in him. He is the purpose of our faith as the author and the perfecter. We don't just trust in doctrines. We trust in Jesus. That's where our joy must be, in him. Now, this third part that says who. Well, the rest of that first part of the verse says he's the author and perfecter of our faith, of the faith, who does this stuff. Well, what does he do? we'll, We'll break this down in a minute, but he's the kind of Savior worth following because he's the kind of Savior that would rather die than live without you forever. That's a Savior worth following. He's the author, he's the perfecter, and he would would stop at nothing to rescue you, to rescue me, to die and rise again on our behalf on this Easter morning. Does that give you joy? Does that fire you up? Man, I tell you what, it pumps me up. Isn't that great? He's the kind of Savior worth following because he would rather die than live without you and me forever. Joy in the person of Jesus. How's your joy this morning? Second, joy in the person. We also see joy in the plan of Jesus. You see, this whole death and resurrection thing has been the plan since eternity past. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it tells us about the Lamb's book of life, that that Lamb has been slain since the foundation of the world. There's this book of life with your name in it. If you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior... Your name's in that book. And that book's been around since the foundation of the world. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, your name was already there before in the beginning. And he was already slain from the foundation of the world. That's the plan. It's been the plan all along. To rescue you, to rescue me, and to give us everlasting joy. Joy in the plan of Jesus. He hung shamefully, this verse tells us, naked on that cross so you wouldn't have to. And then he rose again on your behalf. See, somebody had to pay for your sins and had to pay for mine. See, that's the great swap of Easter. Have you ever heard of a swap? You know, you, you, go, you go to lunch in high school and you got a bologna sandwich and your friend's got a ham sandwich and you're like, hey, I'm not up for the bologna today. I don't know what mom was thinking. I love bologna. Great. Here's my sandwich. That's you get this swap, right? 
Well, that's Easter. You see, on Good Friday, Jesus dies in your place and in mine to take all of our sins. That's the plan. All of our past sins, all of our present sins, and all of our sins of every tomorrow. Every thought, every word, every deed, every motive. See, if he died for me, and he did 2,000 years ago, how many of my sins were in the future? All of them, right? So if he died for all of my sins 2,000 years ago, today, how many of my sins are forgiven? All of them. That's the plan. Does that give you joy that all of your sins... But that's only half the story. See, we, who's wearing a cross this morning? If you, if you wear a cross, I'm telling you, that's beautiful and marvelous, and it reminds me of all of this. But it's half the story, because there's an empty tomb on Easter morning. Because without the resurrection, we just have a dead Savior. But we have a living Savior who died and rose again. The rest of the swap is, he gets all of my sins on Good Friday. And on Easter morning, praise the Lord, I get all of his righteousness. His perfect life, his perfect deeds, his pure motives. Every thought, every deed was done for the right reason, the right way. And that's credited, because of Easter, to you and to me. That's the joy of Easter morning. That we get his righteousness today and forever. Eternal life isn't when I die, it's now. That's the blessing of the plan. The joy we get in the plan of Jesus. So have you made that swap? Have you done the exchange? Your sins for his righteousness? Here's how you can know. If you were to die today, what percentage chance of going to heaven would you have? Because if it's not 100% and you're sure that you're sure, you may not have made the swap. Because when Christ comes in, all of the sins are forgiven. You have nothing to deserve hell. And you get all of his pure life credits to you so that you have everything in him to deserve heaven. That's 100%, guaranteed. And if you don't know that you know, ask Jesus, the joy giver, to give you eternal life today. Today's the day to start. Now back to our story. So what was the joy set before him? This is really interesting. It's kind of out of, out of order. It says, Jesus, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and despised the shame. So if you put it in the right order, Jesus endured the cross because there's this joy thing on the other side of the cross, right? He went through all of this agony on your behalf and mine because there's something that's going to give him joy on the other side. What is that? That joy, I believe, is you. You are his joy. I am his joy. He died and did all of this so he could have you forever, that you could be his and he could be yours. That gives him great joy. You are his joy. He delights in you. He loves you. His banner over you is love. He will never forget about you. He will always love you. You are his pride and you are his joy. A nursing mother, Isaiah tells us, a nursing mother would sooner forget her baby than God would ever stop loving you. It says in that same passage, God says, see, I have engraved your name on the palms of my hands. When I think of the palms of the hands of my Savior, what else do I see next to my name? I see the holes of the cross. You are his joy. I 
am his joy. Who for the joy set before him, you, he endured the cross. He despised the shame because you are his joy. That's joy in the plan of Jesus. Joy in the person of Jesus. And we'll finish with this. Thirdly, joy in the power of Jesus. We see here in the, see here in the verse that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why does Jesus sit down? Listen, if I had gone through the cross and the resurrection, I'd be sitting down too. Because Jesus said these three wonderful words on the cross. It is what? It's finished. Your salvation, the joy of eternal life is done. His work is complete. So he sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. Strong enough there, the right hand of God, to do all that's necessary for your immediate salvation and your eternal joy. Seated at the right hand of God. And whenever you see right hand in Scripture, that usually means power. And that's where we can have joy in the power of Jesus. Because the right hand of God always signifies his strength, his might. You see it all throughout the Old Testament especially. That the power of God to accomplish his good, his acceptable, and his perfect will. When you know the power of God to be the author of your faith and the finisher of your faith... That should give us tremendous joy, that there is nothing in all of this world that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? That's how strong he is. That should give us unconquerable joy, that nothing in all of creation, and that includes you, can separate you, Romans 8, from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The same power that created the universe with a word and raised Jesus from the dead is the same limitless power that he has today to love you every day and give you every day every good and perfect gift from above because you are his joy. And throne, we see there's a throne here in Hebrews 12 too. Well, that's because he's a king. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. We follow a powerful sovereign. He rules and he reigns. Every spitting galaxy, every spitting atom in the universe is under his immediate control. Every blade of grass, every hair on our heads, he controls. And the good news is for me, every single day I'm making it easier for Jesus to count the hairs on my head. And the power of Jesus guarantees that he is big enough to cause everything in our lives to work together for good. And he's not counting at all for you there, Brother Spons. <laughs> Romans 8, 28 and 29, it's a familiar passage, but this tells you about the power of God to, to work everything in the universe for your good. It says, God causes all things to work together for good. All things, not some things, because he loves you. Because those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose, these he foreknew and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. See, God causes all things to work together for good. What's the good of verse 28? Becoming like Jesus in verse 29. 
God's power is so massive that there is no stray circumstance in life that can stop his plan for you. He can take the deepest sorrow or the greatest joy and mold you into the image of his amazing son. Does that give you joy this morning? It gives me joy. We have joy in the person of Jesus, joy in the plan of Jesus, and joy in the power of Jesus. So, what? What's next, chaplain? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay, first thing is, are you in? Are you in on this joy thing? Are you 100%? Because if you're not, today's the day. He died and he rose again for us to follow, to love, to enjoy, and be enjoyed by him. Get in on this. Ask Jesus today to come into your life, to forgive all of your sins, past, present, and future, and to give you his resurrected life today. If you're in the club, congratulations. Today is the day of joy. Today is the day that we celebrate. You see, our Jewish friends celebrate the the Sabbath on Saturday. We shifted it to Sunday. Why? Because of today. So that for all of eternity, until Jesus decides to come back, oh, Lord, please come back. Sunday, we celebrate. Every single Sunday, we get to, not have to. I don't have to come to church. I get to come to church to share the joy, to get the joy, to go out with the joy on Sunday because of that resurrection 2,000 years ago. So if you're in, you have the privilege, and I have the privilege every single day in the family, no no sour lemons. We, of all people on earth, should be those filled to overflowing with joy. In John 15, 11, the night before the crucifixion, think about this. Jesus is with his disciples. I think he's walking through the Garden of Gethsemane. He's pointing to some vines, some grapes. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. He says, I've told you these things. He's about to die 12 hours later. And he says, I have told you these things, John 15, 11, so that my joy would be in you and your joy would be full to overflowing. How's your joy this morning? Joy in the person of Jesus, joy in the plan of Jesus, and joy in the power of Jesus. Full to overflowing. Now and forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.